Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, season 13. Oh yes, it's pre-season and, and you know, we, we've been away a little bit. Um, my name's John by the way and with me is Mike. Yeah, we've been away for a bit, less, less to give ourselves a break, more to give the, uh, the poor listeners a break, I would have thought, John. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Uh, and uh, we, uh, well, we're gonna, we've got, I've got three special podcasts for you in the, in the run-up uh, to the start of the season. Of course, remember, remember, it, it is a bit earlier. Uh, we've got this one, where you're going to hear from Mr. Troy Deeney. We've got another one next week with one of our, I don't want, don't want to call it a classic, but one of the notorious uh, <laughs> From the Rookery End uh, draft podcast, where uh, we will get the, the team to, to duke it out. Uh, and to pick the the best Watford eleven through a draft system. As as a Watford supporter, John, I'm all about managing expectations, and to, <laughs> and to call that to call it a classic, I think is probably uh, a misuse of the phrase. But yeah, I guess it's a classic in some ways. In some ways, yeah. Um, and the that basically had to pick the teams from players that played, f- debuted under the Pozzos and played for Watford Football Club. Uh, but that's that's next week. And, of course, we'll have a final sort of see where our heads are at. Where, you know, because at the moment, my, my head's in a, not in a mess. It's quite clear. It's it's not that much in Watford at the moment, my head. No, I think that's that's fair. I mean, we're, when are we recording this? I'm talking to you on, on Tuesday afternoon. We've we've lost to Bolton Wanderers in our, what's it, our third pre-season friendly but but to be honest, I think pre-season friendlies are all about the team getting to know each other, getting to know um, Rob Edwards, trying to work out what the system is. So I'm not too worried about the about the results. Uh, I don't think I'll be going to any of the pre-season friendlies. I'm away for the for the Southampton one, and I, th- I think yeah, I think as supporters, we probably just need the break, don't we? It was a chastening season last year. Not much to to enjoy or shout about last year. So yeah, my recommendation, uh, certainly my advice to myself, has been to try and. Uh, uh, enjoy the break while it lasts, and we'll worry about uh, we'll worry about the season perhaps in the in the sort of seven days leading leading up to kickoff. But uh, until then, Chillerinstein. Yes, and uh, let's chill out with Troy Deeney. Uh, we caught up with Troy. We, we we've caught up with Troy many times. I was trying to count Mike. I think this is the sixth time he's been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Once every other year, basically, that works out. But he was on a couple of uh, weeks ago uh, where we spoke to him uh, about his television documentary that he he put together. And we asked him at the time, could, could we catch up with you and just chat about a bit about football? Because he, he was on holiday when we did that interview and uh, we didn't want to intrude for too long. So he got in touch. He's in pre-season for Birmingham. And well, as you're here, he was, he was in classic Troy form, wasn't he, Mike? He was. Um, yeah, thanks as always to, to, to Troy for giving up his time. He was incredibly generous with his time, especially when we spoke. He'd had a really, really rough day, I think, or a tough day of it. And they'd had um, the pre-season training session. Then he'd had a pre-season training match. Then he'd had to go to a doctor's appointment, I think, about just checking up on one of his, one of his old injuries. Um, and then he'd had to battle through the traffic and then sat straight down and, and spoke to us. So I think, you know, that's... That's a measure of the man that he was able to uh, to give us that time after after a tricky day, and then he was going off to Portugal the next day. But yeah, it was it was a really good chance to speak to him and just pick his brains about a number of things, really, including what a he number of things. About Michael, if you listen to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, you will not hear much <laughs> from me. I was there. I inputted a bit here, there, and everywhere, but I just left you two to it because you do have quite your relationship with with Troy is is a good one. Is a very respectable one of of, of each other, um, and it, it was just fascinating, as, as everyone will hear now, of just how the two of you were literally two blokes having a chat 
about football. He's he's just a good guy and an interesting guy to to talk to. And I think he's someone you know. If you ask a question that he doesn't want to answer, he'll just say, "I'm not going to answer that," and he won't he won't view you any any differently because of it. Um, and you know, if it, if it's an answer he does want to, if it's a question he does want to answer, you're going to get an an honest and interesting response. So it's fascinating to get the opportunity to talk about what happened at, at Watford during the sort of the whole span of his career, really. What he thinks of what he thinks of Rob, what he thinks of his new boss, who we all know very well, of course, at, at, at Birmingham. So yeah, it's I, I really enjoy talking to talking to Troy, and hopefully it comes across as uh, as a, a worthwhile and uh, interesting listen for everyone at home too. So here it is, um, our tr- chat with Troy. Uh, and uh, if you're going to get in touch with us and, and share your feelings with some of the stuff he says, then do get in touch via social media at Watford Podcast uh, on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter. Or, or email us, podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Here is Mike, well mainly Mike, and I catching up <laughs> with Troy Deeney. Troy, thanks again for joining us. We're doing this on a, on a Tuesday. We were actually supposed to do this on a Monday, but you you pied me mm-hmm. off yesterday because you got a better you got a better offer, didn't you? Well, that's not very nice, is it? I would never pie you off. Um, <laughs> I had an engagement with Sir Alton at Vicarage Road, so who am I to say no? That's what I'd ask. Who am I to say no? So it was a great day. Did you get to see Elton at all? Uh, no, we exchanged uh, emails. He's busy, and also I took me mum, my nan, and like my friend and his his mum, uh, and my missus and her mum. So it was quite like a an older generational crowd, so it was quite cool. Watford fans, by the way, are very respectful, and I want to say thank you for that, because I didn't take any pictures with anyone. I was just chilling with my nan, and people were pretty cool with it, so thank you for that. As a spectacle, world-class, by the way, to be 75 and still doing, what, nearly three hours on his own. Unbelievable. What a man, what a superstar. How good has he been for Watford? Is something I don't think we can even put into words, the, the, the magnitude of his legacy and um, I think it was fitting to be sold out for two nights and also a privilege and an honour to even be there. I did just want to touch on it Troy about your relationship with him what that was during his time at at Watford I think we all know that he's he's in touch he's on the phone to to various people there he pops into the changing room now and again what's what's his presence like in and around Vicarage Road during your time there, and what and what's it what's it like to meet someone who is, you know, you talk about superstars. You're used to meeting some pretty big names, but he is he's up there, isn't he? Oh, definitely. I think I think yesterday enhanced that for me. His um, his catalogue of not only work uh, musically, but what he's done, you know, just for charity wise and just just for moving moving the cultures forward. I think it's a great work with him. The, the gay community as well. I think he's, he's been more or less a pioneer in that, in, in, in bringing that to the forefront. Someone I obviously look up to and with my own passion projects and, and topics that I feel like, I think you can learn a lot from, from the great man. Uh, when I was there, it was always strange to ever get a phone call from um, Beverly Hills. You know, when your iPhone, it comes up, maybe Beverly Hills, and you're like, I don't know anyone in Beverly Hills. Then you pick it up and it's like, hi, Troy, it's Alton. Just wanted to say, watch the game. It's 3 a.m. You lot were excellent. Well, I'm going to bed. And he's like, that was surreal. But thanks, mate. And yeah, a lot of it is through email because obviously time zones and stuff. But he, he has a, a big influence. I think whenever Alton's in the stadium, especially for a match day, the players are excited. And I think that's when you understand how much of a big deal it is when you get like 30 lads, then you get ownership group come downstairs and there's all cameras. And it's like, it's like a big day when Alton comes out, isn't it? And he said yesterday and touched on about potentially being 
involved a bit more than the, the setup of it when he finishes his tour in 2023, I believe. So that'd be interesting to see how his role within the club comes back again because he's part of the fabric and, and the makeup, isn't he? So I think it'd be great. He absolutely is. I thought what was fascinating was hearing from a couple of people who went who weren't Watford supporters and they were like, oh, geez, he really is all in, isn't he? And I think what people perhaps outside Watford don't realise is that he's not a celebrity fan. He's not someone who's, when he's in the area, he sticks a shirt on or a scarf on. You cut him open and he is... Not Prince William. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who does he support at the moment? Anyway, is he still sticking with Villa for now? Or? He's still sticking with Villa, yeah, but he only seems to turn up on the, on the big games. I don't see him there for the EFL Cup. That's all I want to say. No, absolutely. You might yeah. turn up for the if you get them in the uh, in the EFL Cup, perhaps. But, <laughs> it, but it's Maybe. fascinating to hear people that were, that weren't really Watfordy people. They were there. They said it felt like they were not sort of a third wheel, but also like they, I think they were taken aback by the by the two way love, the affection that, that that Watford fans obviously have for him, and 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 what came back from Elton John as well. And he's just he's he's a fan, isn't he? Of course he is. And I think when he, he had a little moment where he he touched on where he's been and where he came from and I think the first game was when he was six years old so that's like 69 years associated with the club like that's unbelievable and um, I just think he's always been around I think you look at his generation him obviously Graham Taylor Luther John Barnes that whole generation it's kind of what Watford is still embedded on and, and foundationally built on I don't think you can speak to anyone who is still at the club or is going to the club now and they haven't heard of those names. And I think the, the ethos of being a family-orientated club and things of like that all stems from, from Sir Alton John and Graham Taylor, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think I think it goes to show that it's important to respect that as well, isn't it? Because it's part of... That's what really the club is, isn't it? You know, Watford might do really well on the pitch. They might do terribly off it, but there's still a club there and there's still a support zone. And unless you've got that link, um, unless you've got that thing to hold on to, it's, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? So the, all the guys you mentioned there, and I'm sure that you'll be mentioned in the, in the same breath in the, in the future as well. That's kind of the, the essence of it, for, of, of a football club to me. And I think that's why we're, we're quite lucky to, to support a club like Watford with so many big names running through the, the history and the core. But you were re- so you saw Elton yesterday. You were also reunited with another of my favourite men, uh, a certain John Eustace. Uh, he's your new, oh, he's your new yeah. gaffer. I was very nervous where that was going then, I'll be honest. I was thinking, where have I been? Um... <laughs> well, I tell you what, people say, oh, life as a footballer is pretty tough. Wimbledon, mm-hmm. was it? Silverstone? Yeah. Elton John? Yeah. Not bad, is it? I'm 34, so I thought I was going to do it properly. It's, it's like my birthday celebration, yeah, kind of went over. Is there anything left on the bucket list to tick off? I literally said that to the missus. I, I think we're done now. Uh, we're done <laughs> for a little while. But you know what it is? I get into the age in life where I'm appreciating not only other sports, but athletes and, and greats for who and what they are currently. I think, you know, that being a bit sad and, and miserable, like too many people die too young and... A lot of people in and around me have, have had tough times over the last couple of years. And it's just made me like, well, let me appreciate a Novak Djokovic. Let me appreciate uh, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen. You know, like these experiences. And I just think you get to that age where you just start wanting to have memories more than a pair of trainers, let's say. Yeah, for sure. I, t- I totally agree. It's, it's something I subscribe to as well. But when you're watching, say, you mentioned Djokovic there at Wimbledon or, or perhaps Hamilton. 
as a, me as a as a sort of someone who hasn't succeeded at, at, at elite sport, you're kind of in the in the same bracket of them in terms of you've performed at the top level in your chosen sport. Do you think you still look at them like I would look at them, or do you look at them and think, well, how are they performing to that? You know, what's their mindset, or do you sit and just in, enjoy them as a as a fan almost? No, you definitely look at them as a, as a fan, and and you are kind of in awe. I think when you get to those. Those the two guys you just spoke about there, for example, multiple world champions, still competing at the highest level, um, still that drive to be the best, want to be the best, with no show of slowing down. And I think this new generation that we're in, especially in, in our sport of football, where everyone wants to buy young, you got to be twenty four and under for the for the model of what they're building. Um, and it's nice to see like senior veterans in, in our sports actually still being needed and still being wanted and, and still being able to add. Yes, you might not be as quick as you once were, but you're still able to compete and offer um, a lot of guidance. And that's something that I'm currently doing, obviously, at Birmingham, but it's something I've always done. Even in my 20s, I felt like I was someone that always passed things on to, to young kids because, as we all know, I made more mistakes than anybody. So... It was good fun, but just to go back to your previous question in regards to John Gaffer, now I have to call him <laughs> Mr. Eustace. Yeah, we're still getting we're still getting used to that. I was lucky that he was my captain before. Essentially, I became full time captain. I know we had our Munio in between, but Eustace was more or less my captain all the time, and uh, I feel like he gave me great experience in what it took and what it needed to be a captain. How involved you have to be in and around the place, and I think. Well, I know because he said it earlier today, but it's great to be able to see him see me full circle in regards yeah. to I was 21, 22 years old when, when I saw him. I'm now 34. I'm a completely different man. So it's always great and it's it's nice to have him around and he's shouting at me a lot more now. <laughs> well, it's funny because the way you skippered Watford, I actually saw a lot of John Eustace in... In, in what you did, all the best bits, I, I mm-hmm. think, about being a captain, sort of letting the referee know that your team isn't going to get trampled on, letting, letting him know that just because that's Ronaldo over there, you can't let him get away with that and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. it kind of felt like you, you took off, or took the mantle off John Eustace in that regard. Is it fair to say you, you learnt your sort of some of your captaincy skills, if you like, from, from John? A, an awful lot. You have to remember, he was, he was my driver for the first year. He was getting yeah, me in, into work. So, I had nothing but time and if you're a young person, it's very difficult for you to, to not pick up knowledge of someone like that. He, he was always on the phone, he was always, his little things I used to notice, like the way he used to eat, the way he used to treat his body and mm-hmm. if you remember towards the end of his Watford career, he had like suffered with his back and everyone was saying he was going to retire, he had I think, two slip discs I think and he was still playing. And you just had that respect where you just go to war with him. And then I remember him going to Derby and he still still was playing. I was like, they told you we were going to retire two years ago. And he's still going on. And it's just that burning desire to want and be better. And he, he had a meeting, just hearing him talk again, it was kind of like I was little Troy again and he was the skipper. He was like <laughs> you know, very forthright, honest in his approach. And he, he's John, isn't he? He's, he's Gaffer. He knows, he, know what he, he knows what he wants and he's not going to bend on it. So get on board or get left behind. And that was the whole mentality and the whole building was like, yes, this is what we can get behind now. This is the, there's not going to be any cutting corners, not with, not with John Eustace about. 
I absolutely love hearing that. He was one of my all-time Watford favourites. I thought just the way that he gave absolutely everything, he, he led by example. It's funny you mentioned when he went to Derby. I remember he scored for Derby at Vicarage Road and he came steaming down to the Vicarage Road end with a, uh, to the Rookery end with a massive smile on his face and just celebrated in front of the Watford fans. But you knew it was all in good all in good, um, yeah. good spirit. He just feels like a top man. And I think to, to hear that he's had that, that impact is... It's really pleasing because I think Watford fans think very, very highly of him still and will wish him nothing but success. I mean, obviously, he was hotly tipped to, to take over at Watford, actually, but ultimately we went with with Rob Edwards. What's your take on, on that as a hire for, for Watford? Well, I know Rob briefly because my brother played with him um, and why is that name going out of my head? Who was he manager of before Forest Green, non-league team? Uh, I want to say I'm just going to Telford to Telford thanks for the shout in there John appreciate it you know, my brother worked with him for a little bit for about six months and um, when I went down and used to watch Ellis play you could see like his style what he wanted to do and you could see he'd been coaching obviously with the, the 23s at Wolves and it's difficult to let's put it this way playing out from the back in a, in a non-league team was, was quite difficult when you only worked with him twice a week but I then kept an eye on him obviously at Forest Green and see how he was doing and I just think I like what he's about. I like the level of presence that he has. I also watched that YouTube video that Watford put out. I think it was pretty cool, where they mic'd him up for the first day. That was quite an Italian thing, because obviously from a fan's perspective, it's giving you a bit of inside knowledge that you wouldn't normally see. But from, a, from my perspective, I'm seeing how that would manifest with the players, with the players that they already have, the players they're going to bring in. And it's just a clear direction from day one. This is what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. I think for any footballer to hear that you you know the balls are out straight away, that old school mentality of the running is is more or less long gone. And the lads, uh, I think it was Cambridge you guys played recently and lost behind closed doors. That won't actually mean that much because it's about relationships and understanding and trying to build on everything that Rob and his team are trying to influence and. I just hope, I just hope that you know what for giving the guidance and support that he needs, um, and not get too much involved. And, and obviously, like anything with any club, recruitment is always key, isn't it? Make sure you're recruiting for the right, the right type of players for for this current manager, and hope that that works moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just want to pick up on that that preseason because obviously you know what us supporters are like. We see the headlines, we see the results. We're like, oh, we've lost to Cambridge. The season's going to be a nightmare, disaster, disaster, disaster. And you said straight off the bat that that won't matter too much. You you, you mentioned just before we we started recording that you've had a preseason friendly today. So as a player, when you're driving home, apart from thinking, Jesus Christ, my legs hurt, I'm knackered, um, I want to get in the bath. What are you taking from? A, a pre-season friendly as, as a player and the reason I ask is more for sort of Watford supporters to get an understanding of what players try, try and achieve from it well your first one is all about not getting injured you don't want to get we don't want to get injured in any game but in, in the first two games of pre-season it's about getting the fitness in the legs not getting injured and I don't know how it will be with Rob but I remember at the time at Watford it used to be two forty five minutes two sixty minutes and then the final game be a ninety-minute game. Um, okay. Two teams will play differently. You're at hundred percent while you're on the pitch. You're giving it. You're you're in. Or... Yeah, of course you are. Yeah, well, you say hundred percent, but you won't be hundred percent because remember it was tough the week before. It was, it was a tough, tough week in regards to um, what um, 
going on with the pre-season, the double sessions, etc. So you're not going to be at 100%. You'll be feeling the gym work and all of that. But you'll certainly be in a position where you're going, all right, let me get my legs under me. Kind of like a boxer. You know, when a boxer starts a fight, he doesn't go in and go, right, I'm going to take his head off in the first punch. He's feeling it out and trying to do what he needs to do. And, um, you know, like when they lost, there'll be some confusion. But I feel like there'll be a lot of, okay, we're seeing the patterns of playing, which we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the connection between, let's say they're playing five in the back. It might be the connection between the, you know, the, the back five and the midfield three. I want to get that shorter because this is what we've worked on. But because the game's got the way it has, we let that get too expansive. And you can work on all the the boring technical things that fans don't ever see. Ultimately, a fan pays to be entertained on a weekend, not to see the intricacies of, you know, the, the, the left wing back went and pressed on too high too early, which allowed the space behind and then messed up the whole jigsaw. So it's, it's that kind of process for the first two weeks. Ideally, you want to win all the time because then you're in a position to build winning mentality but what will change from from Watford's point of view at, at this current moment is none of the games are at home uh, at Vicarage Road which I think will help because there is that stinking record still hanging over from the back end of last year isn't there in terms of wins so you'll want to start the season like a fresh really and, and hit the ground running at home however I feel like you're going to dominate the ball more than you have done in probably at least before my time, close to a decade, probably Gianfranco time, will probably be the, the last time we dominated the ball as much. And that's going to be something that fans will have to get used to as well. While you might dominate the ball, we'll be going across the back five quite a lot. And as you know, fans want to see goals. They don't want to see you keeping the ball. So if you do that and you're 1-0 down, there's going to be a lot of frustration. Can I ask about the, the young players, Troy? Because it looks like we're going to have a bunch of young yeah. players in, in this team. Saw a couple of them yesterday, by the way. Yeah. Okay, like cool. We're Elton fans. People like that, yeah. Yeah, it was nice to see him. Sorry to uh, digress from your question, but I just haven't seen it. Like Joe went to um, up north with Malky, didn't he? I didn't get to see him. And then Matty Pollock was on loan. So like, just to see those boys that were walking in was was quite nice. And, you know, they seem to be growing and and filling into their man body, shall we say, and it's good to see. So uh, Them being younger players, that will have a completely different... Like the, the, the crowd will act differently towards them than we have to say in the last few seasons in the Premier League, where they were mm-hmm. you know, much more you know, senior professionals. Yeah. That's, that, that's that, that, Will that make that, a difference? That's it, it will, will and it won't. A, a young boy has zero expectation for argument's sake. If Matty Pollock ends up being the, the next centre-half that plays for, for Watford, but he's playing next to any of the others, all the expectation when a goal goes in will be on all the others. Even if Matty scored an own goal, he'll be like, yeah, but Craig Cathcart never stopped the cross there and he just had to do it. So when you're a young player, you come in with no expectation and fans are quite lenient. However, I think where Watford fans are currently, and this is just my opinion, is... You're, you're expected to go back up next year, dominantly as well. Uh, when you look at the Championship with turnover at Burnley, only really Norwich have kept their squad as it currently stands. What are we, the 5th of July or something at the moment? You'd argue that Watford are still one of the favourites to go up. But if you are going to put young players in, you have to be prepared that they may have two good games, four bad games or average games because they're not used to it. You've got to be prepared that they will get injured 
I think we saw that with Jao Pedro the year we ended up getting promoted um, two years ago. He wasn't as consistent all the time. He started off really well. Then it gets really difficult in the championship around November, December, January. They're the tough times to keep going Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And if you're underprepared for it, and what I mean by that is physically underprepared for it, you will end up getting found out, whether that be physically with an injury or your performances will dip because people have probably worked out how your team is around that time. You talk about Watford's, Watford's squad, Troy, and we obviously we don't know exactly who's going to leave, but I think we've got a fair idea between us who's going to be disappearing. Ten out at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, about that. And, and then yeah. there's, it could be... You know, we we know who we're talking about when we imagine that Ismail Assar's going to leave. I can Dennis say it's Don't worry. Um, so everyone knows it. It's it's not a secret that they want out. Watford need them gone, and, and so on and so forth. You kind of lived through that squad recalibration at, at Watford previously with some big names either wanting out or the club wanting to sell them. Well, the club club trying to get rid of you a couple of times as well. But yeah. how how do you deal with that as a as a player when you think, well, he's trying to get off there for whether it's more money or he thinks he's better than us or whatever the the reason for the moves. How did mm-hmm. you deal with it and what sort of impact can it have on the squad, if if anything? Well, I can only talk about what happened when, when I was there because I don't know if the dynamics changed now, but if you remember the year we got relegated after uh, the Premier League after losing uh, losing to Arsenal, there was mm. sev- seven of us in, in essentially what, what the players call a bomb squad it got binned off to the side and like you guys are considered too expensive to still be here. That was myself, Pereira, Delafeu, Decore, Capu, Danny Welbeck. I think Andre Gray was the seventh one. We were like, you guys aren't gonna train with us. You're gonna fig we're gonna get offers for you, we're gonna figure it out and we're gonna get you out of here kind of vibe. And like it's a real tough tough one for the manager as well because this manager might he may not have made that decision, maybe a business decision in this regard. So it ends up being this really awkward thing where no one ends up saying anything. Right. Where like the lads who are still staying <laughs> are going, well, you might go, you might not go, so I don't really want to say anything. And then you've got the lads who think they're going, don't want to get off the pace, so they don't say anything. Everyone just works. It ends up just being this really weird space. and um, People just walking past like, each other going, all right, all right. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. You're right, mate. And try not to talk too much about football, really. And I remember when when it was myself, um, I wasn't really training with anybody. And then I ended up just getting thrown back into the team. Like, OK, you can play now with uh, Ivic. It was strange for him because he's probably been told all these things that Troy's going, I'm this, I'm that, or whatever it might have been. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, he's back and available now. And you've got to try and fit him into a system that you've been working and probably comprehending in your mind that this guy won't be around. So it's a real tough situation for everyone. But I think we all understand that, you know, with Saar, with Dennis, they're, they're not going to be around in, in, in the championship and their, their quality is too good for that. If you keep them till January, then you should be, should be more or less promoted at that point. <laughs> but, Do you know what I mean? We'll take that. We'll take that. Just, yeah. just going back to that with you, with your personal situation, Troy. And obviously, don't feel you, you yeah. don't answer if you don't have to. But in terms of how many times you nearly did, you know, you, you they talked about you talk about being in the bomb squad after the Arsenal game. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's not the only time you came 
close to leaving Watford. How many times would you say you were genuinely close to, to disappearing out of the door at Vicarage Road? And is there any that people might not be aware of? Yeah, there was there was a few. There was a, well, probably seven or eight times. Um, yeah. You'd have to go back to the year of Zola. Like, yeah, because Dice wanted to get rid of year, you, didn't he? No, Dice wanted to get rid of me the year before that. Um, <laughs> but that was all my own doing because obviously he was there with Malky and I was acting like a bit of a knobhead, wasn't I? There's no other way to say it. So I weren't really applying myself to football. So he wanted to get rid of me and that was fine. I ended up earning his trust and going on to, to do whatever. The rest is history kind of vibe. But the year I came back from jail with Jan Franco and, and we had that, that Leicester moment in April, um, I was still technically out of contract. I was about to be out of contract that summer. So everyone was offering me everything and uh, Watford offered me the same money, believe it or not. they tried. I was on 19 goals at that point. Yeah. And they tried to offer me the the same money for like five years, and I'm, you know, thankfully I'm not that stupid when it comes to business. <laughs> and I was like, "Look, guys, we can make a deal, but I'm not signing for the same money. That's not happening." And yeah, ultimately we had a big old hissy fit with Gianluca Nani. If you remember him, yeah, I do yeah. Were they were they trying to use the fact that you'd been in in jail? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. It was, and they stopped by me, and and I, and I got that. It's it's business. It weren't personal. But I nearly went to Newcastle. That was the first time I was going to go to Newcastle. They offered me a big old chunk of money. But again, respect in, in that regard as like kind of owe Watford. Uh, and we went on to you know have some successful years. The following year, I scored 25. And we ended up 14th, I think. And then, so who tried to sign me then? That was Everton. Oh, and Aston Villa. Aston Villa asked me about taking, uh, removing my tattoo. Oh, I think I've read about that somewhere. Yeah, Did you consider it? Was... Never. Never. Well, actually, no, I say never, but if the money was right, I probably would have. I probably would have chopped <laughs> the leg off for the right amount of money. Just despite Villa turn up, they spend the money, you turn up with <laughs> yeah. one leg. Yeah, stuff is... yeah. don't think I'd have passed the, uh, the medical, but no, <laughs> at that point, it, I, I was quite money-orientated at, at, at that year because I felt like I was doing well, but we'd finish 14th and I wanted to, I wanted to test myself the following year. Um, but we had a we had a big chat, which I thought was really cool because that was my f- first time ever having some form of uh, influence in regards to like I wanted to stay, but I said like we need goals because that the year I scored in twenty five, it was me. Remember the Swedish fella? Yeah, yeah, Manigi, Manigi, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah, Fernando. But it was there wasn't that much in the way of strikers, and we wasn't getting a lot of goals from elsewhere. So I said like I felt we were good because. We were getting we um, we got Gomi, and I just felt like we needed goals. And I remember them saying to me, "We're gonna we're gonna get Vidra back." And I was like, "What? Well, everyone know how well we played?" I was like, "Okay, if we get Vids back, I'll stay." And I was like, "We're gonna bring this other guy in as well, called Agala." I was like, "Who the hell is that? Never heard of him." And then obviously we all know what happened that season when we all we all went on to score loads of goals and get promoted. So yeah, Newcastle, Villa. What was the other one? Everton. Uh, Everton, Leicester. Leicester. Uh, Leicester was obviously everyone knew about that because that was like that was the thirty million year. And then Tottenham two oh, years wow. ago when we got relegated. Ah right. Yeah, okay. I, was, I was nearly I was nearly going there. That would have been like a loan and with with an option. They ended up taking the Brazilian boy who did absolutely nothing in the end. 
but I had conversations about that with like Mourinho and stuff. And because obviously you know you're going in a second fiddle to Harry Kane, and that's fine. But it was just that I would have been what thirty two. Yeah, 30, just about to be 32 and it was an option to be back up to Harry Kane but probably play some uh, European football. Uh, if, he, if he got injured, just be ready to, to deliver on that scale uh, and work with Jose Mourinho. Like, what, what more do you need as a player? Like, especially when you just got relegated to the Championship. Any regrets then, Troy, that none of those worked out? I guess Spurs in particular. That, I mean, that sounds like a really juicy opportunity Nah, never regret anything, mate. It brings you to where you are to today. I think. Sure. I think I just think like all things are supposed to happen. Like I went back to Watford the, uh, yesterday, and we got this morning. The missus was like, "How was it going back?" And I was like, "Absolutely fine." So you sure you spent a lot of time there? I was like, "But you look on the walls. My name's there. There's pictures of me there. Like what happened happened. I'm quite cool with." what we've achieved and I say we because I think it was a team effort why did she think was she thinking that you wouldn't have enjoyed it because what you just wouldn't have liked to go back no just just a bit strange or like did it feel weird or anything of that nature like just just try to understand like we're trying to understand the emotions of it because I I used to struggle with understanding emotion and mentally Mm -hmm. you know grasping things so we we just talk about things really wasn't anything sinister in it it was just like how did it feel going back and it was just um it was, just, it, was, it was nice in a weird yeah. way. It was nice to go back. It was nice to see people. You know, there's a lot of fans there that obviously have been there for going on 12 years. Like, I know a lot of fans. I know a lot of staff. It was just, it was just nice to be Troy. The, the, reason, the reason I push you on that, Troy, is because that, that's quite surprising to me because I would hope that you would know how the sort of level of esteem you're you're held in, you know, there's a reason that, that we want to talk to you today. It's because other people want to hear from you. We love talking to you. Um, yeah. Look back with great fondness over over everything that, that was achieved while you were there. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. quite surprised to to hear that you might be a bit trepidatious going back. And I can only speak for myself. You know, everyone I talk to, the, the kids, everyone basically loves you. Yeah, but you have to remember, like, when I left, it wasn't exactly everyone clamouring for me to stay. No, it was but... a little bit of a, it was a little bit of this like you know, and I want to say under 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 18s who have never played football other than FIFA, yeah. saying he's the bad problem, he's the problem, he's the problem. When I left, I found it quite funny actually. I've never actually spoke about this, but when I've left, and then you know the the problems are still arising in in terms of how it happened the back end of last year. Then it's the same people that were saying I was the problem, like oh we could have done with Troy's leadership, and you know hindsight is a wonderful thing, obviously, but. I just felt like, for me, I didn't like the way it ended. I would have liked to have done it on my own terms, as would probably 95% of people who end up getting sacked from their job. Yeah, it's just one of the things, like, sometimes you, you, you maybe read too much of what like the negativity is online, and then you meet people and you go, oh, this is the club I fell in love with. Oh, this is the people I fell in love with. And these are the people I'm generally doing it for. The younger generation now that are on Twitter and social media, aren't really a, a reflection of what everyone's feel, uh, feeling. I feel like, you know, when we're all young, we think we know it all and they don't actually know the intricacies of what actually goes on in football. I've said it before, if there was Twitter around when I was an 18-year-old, uh, I would have made my life very, very difficult because I don't know I'd have said some, some daft stuff. You grow up, don't you? And, yeah, yeah. And you understand. But I think from my point of view, I'd be... 
personally, I'd be upset if you didn't look forward to coming back to Watford, and I'd be I'd be upset if you didn't um, feel that sort of the the level of esteem that 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 you're you're held in. I think you you have mm. you've deserved. This isn't a, 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 no desire to you. You know what I mean? I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it's important for for me to know that your legacy at Watford is is huge, and we talked about earlier. Um, some of the names, the the big names in Watford. For for me, certainly, you, you you put your name on that list, and I'd like to think that you are. I know you're proud well, of what you've done, kind. but I'd like to yeah. think that you can enjoy it as well. Uh, probably when I finish, when I retire, I probably will. I'll probably look back and go, "Oh, that was a great time." I think you. Well, I go. I go talk for myself. I don't believe it or not. Considering I've got quite a big head and I talk a lot, I'm actually quite. In, insecure in regards to like wanting to people please and wonder if that person likes me and I wonder if they think that because I don't know if you've seen on Twitter recently Mrs. told me off I was on holiday and you know when you get and somebody put like the tweet was something along the lines of like uh, someone messaged saying you know Troy and Maps deserve a uh, testimonial or something of that nature I think it was and I was like oh that, that was nice kind of carried on scrolling and as you do you get a couple more up and then you get the the standard that comes with knobhead with tweet like that somebody's put and it was like well I know for one one person got paid really well he got his car paid for his petrol paid for stayed in a hotel for free and the other one being maps I agree deserves something and it was like shut the you know what up because mate if we pulled out receipts of things I've done and I'm again I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass but in these moments I feel like I have to do it like you know you've been around and you saw what what I used to do when people weren't paying for the children's hospital at Christmas seven years in a row Troy paid for that out of his own pocket never once said this is the Troy Deeney show it was make sure all the lads go here's what it's for this is what the club is built on that's thousands of pounds I'm spending uh, that's not again not to blow smoke that is because I feel this is what the club represents and that's just something very small and then to have somebody say that the club paid for my car he wished they did paid for my <laughs> petrol wish they did in the current car but I wish they did paid for my hotel never everything I've ever done has always been on, on respect so when you get somebody you know especially in t- today's world where they can just you can just say something you, you, you're in the media right? you can just say something and now that's fact on yourself, you know, like it's just fact, and that I just feel like every now and again you just have to put people correct. Well, I think I think what that is, Troy, is a is an important message to potentially anyone, you know, myself included, people people listening. That what you you might think that you know whether it's Troy Deeney, whether it's Harry Kane, whether it's Lewis Hamilton, Usain Bolt, forever, they're they're up there in their in their big houses with their flash cars. They don't see this on Twitter. They're not. They're not bothered. Well, actually, it, it is the your human beings with heart, blood. Everything's the same. You have the same emotions as, as everyone else, and and perhaps a little reminder that just because you've got the opportunity to share your thoughts with with the world, depending on how many followers you've got, take a moment and actually think about what's the point in me putting this out is it funny is it interesting is it if it's a if it's a statement like that is it well backed up is it true can I back it up would I say it if 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 Troy or Harry Kane or Lewis Hamilton was sat down 
next to me? I think that's probably always the good test. Would you say it face to face? And the answer is, yeah. is often is often not. Well, well, we've had this discussion before, haven't we? I feel like it's very easy to just make statements now. Nobody actually fact-checks the individual who's saying what they're saying. It's just a statement and just, he said, so it must be. Instead of, well, where, well, how would you know that? Like, this was a grown man, by the way. This wasn't an 18-year-old kid. This was a big grown man that was said it. So, in my opinion, that that's where I thought, I'm going to call you out on it because... Either somebody from the club is absolutely lying, and I'm going to put that straight, or you're just a massive idiot who should know better. Yeah, wants his moment of fame, or just to... Yeah, I think, well, I don't, he didn't I think... get it. He, he shot his Instagram, his, his Twitter down, but he didn't get it. Let's let's not give any more airtime to, <laughs> to, 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 to idiots. But, okay, so in terms of backing things up, I've had a, a an idea, a thought about Watford over the years. It's You know, it's all gone a bit tits up the last couple of years which, whichever way you look at it and one of my theories that I haven't put out there because I haven't backed it up but I'm going to ask you about it now is that perhaps one, perhaps one of the biggest regrets of the ownership will be that after the cup final they didn't let certain players go and were sort of perhaps worried about the backlash of, of getting rid of and I'm talking about people like perhaps Delafeu, Pereira uh, Decore, you know, our most saleable assets yourself uh, as well. And did those guys think, oh, come on, Watford, I've done my bit really. Let me go. You're going to get the best price for me now. Let, let's just, let's shake hands and you can reinvest the money and move on. I can get my move to, I don't know, further up the further up the tree. That That's kind of the moment for me where it felt like it went a little bit, little bit south and it had been building up to it I guess because we I'll always remember the driving home from Huddersfield we'd won away we'd qualified for the FA Cup final won away at Huddersfield the Europa League was in 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 our grasp and then within the space of a two months you know we've got battered in the in the final against Man City I bust my Achilles the day before that so I'll get that in there that made things even worse (laughs) and then obviously the, the season after that it just went downhill pretty quickly with everyone starting the next season hung over, basically, it felt like. And I've always thought, you know, did Gino and and Scott or whoever was in charge miss a trick by not having the, the balls to, to sell those guys who presumably wanted out at that stage? Um, I don't think it was about them having the balls. There was There was definitely something else that I won't get into for legal reasons. There was definitely one or two things happened in uh, in and around the aftermath of that which made players especially that they were treated harshly no that they were treated harshly and unfairly and certain certain, thi- certain certain things were broken certain promises were broken and yeah i think ultimately that led in i think that led into the to the to the people wanting out because wow like you've went from this to that, like you said, this was going to happen and then that didn't happen. So why should we believe you now kind of vibe? But you don't think for, for those clutch of players who, who, you know, let's be frank, they're the top tier Watford players. I, I guess I'm probably missing, missing someone. So no, I know what you mean. Yeah. They, they, they weren't. So if you take away perhaps this incident, there, there wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a desire for them to be thinking, right. I've get, I've got Watford to a cup final. I've got us nearly to Europe. I want to move on. That that's that wasn't the, that wasn't the case. Just without any other nonsense going. No, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel like what happens when you have a great season, like you, 
players from uh, Watford get promoted this season, this coming season, what's going to happen? One of two things from from a player's perspective: you're either going to be sold because you was a did really well, somebody else has bought you, or you were poor and they move on. The players that were there will get a new contract or an increase in pay. That's just, it's just you know your bonus for doing well. That will that is the normal that happens. So. When Watford finished, we probably finished close to our highest finish in, in years at that point. It was in all of these different things we were close to, to winning. And, um, you know, no, I don't think anyone signed the new deal, possibly. I'm trying to think. I don't think anyone signed the new deal. I don't, like I said, a few promises were broken around that and other, and other things. And then you go into um, a longer pre season because. If you remember, we finished late. We were the last game, wasn't we, with the FA Cup? So we finished late and we were back in earlier. And I think just, I just think in hindsight, a lot of smaller situations were handled really wrong. Instead of it being a, a 20% thing, it was maybe five or six little two and three percenters that ended Loads up being a massive percentage of things. Yeah. Because you could just tell. It, it felt like. Yeah, it felt like a hangover, and it's easy to look at the cup final, and it's like that's too simple, really, to blame blame the cup final. But so, in terms of that going going wrong, and so, but we're, we're, I'm talking to you, what I don't know, a month before the start of the championship season, and, and as a Watford supporter, I'm thinking we're at we're at the start again, and and just talking through what we what we've been through in the, in your time at the club, we've had some amazing times, some massive highs, and it feels like we're kind of back at the start again, and. So my question to you really is, and, and it relates to earlier what you said about Rob, about him getting the, what was the word, was it with the support basically? or, or The words support, about, yeah, the, the support and the... Uh... It feels to me, and again, this is just a gut feeling, I know nothing about what happens in the boardroom or the dressing room obviously, but it feels like something's a little bit skew-if at the moment. It feels like an unhappy camp and it has done for, for some time really. And... Lots of great noises coming out. We talked about the young players earlier coming through. I think they'll get a lot of... Uh, they'll have credit in the bank and, and us as supporters will want to see them do well. So they'll get a bit of latitude as well, like you, like you suggested. But it does feel like there needs to be something inherently changed at, at Watford. Do you think... Do you, do you sense that? I mean, your, your, your time there, did you see where things went wrong and did you, do you feel that lessons are being learned? It's a long, it's a long-winded answer because you would, you would say, are lessons being learned? Yes, because they're not in the financial mess they were in once we got relegated two years ago. So lessons would be learned from that. Have they, have they got a clear identity as to who and what Watford are? I'd probably argue no, because we still went through was it four managers, three managers last year. Um, but none. Of, my my bigger thing is none of the managers are the same. So, I'll, if if when Bournemouth got rid of Eddie Howe, uh, Jonathan Woodgate came in, and so did Scott Parker. They're all trying to play out for the back footballing teams. That club is still going to play four three three. It's still going to recruit four four three three. It's not every time a new manager comes in, right? We just rip up the drawing board and start again, especially with. You know, a club with the history of, of getting rid of managers the way that Watford does. I feel like until a manager's trusted and given a little bit more say in who they should buy, 
and allow that person to, you know, let's say for argument, let's just let's take it away from what, but let's use Birmingham City. So we've just given John Eustace a three-year deal. What's the chance of him actually seeing that three years out? Zero point five percent. But let's give him the opportunity to do what he wants to do with his style of players, with his people, and then judge him off that. I feel like at Watford, with the model that's set up, there's always going to be players coming in. Like I've just seen the new striker who's come in. Is that going to get you 30 goals this year? You don't know. You have to, you know what I mean? You have to, it's, it's a gamble. You, you, I don't ever see, for the, every Ismail Asar, for every Richarlison, there's been 10, 15, 20 misses. Are you going to give a manager an opportunity to buy the players he wants to recruit and make a culture that is sustainable for him? And if you're not going to do that, then start getting managers that are consistent to a way of thinking that you want it to be. Like if you're going with Rob now, well, we're always going to play out for the back now. So we need ball play goalkeepers. We need ball players at a halves and, and build from that in their recruitment. I, I would read in between the lines suggest that Watford, you don't think Watford do or do either. They're not building round a manager and they're not building round uh, a certain... And or or the flip side is they're not giving a, a head coach or the manager enough in, um, input into 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 who comes in. Well, it always starts off that way, doesn't it? It's like anything. Once once the manager comes in, he bang, you can have what you want, you can do what you want. You know, losing to Cambridge a hundred percent puts Rob under pressure from board level, not from player level, from board level. Then. Let's say you start the season off. Let's go to hypothetical. You play the first four games, the fourth game being Birmingham City away. You, <laughs> you draw two, you've won one, and you lose to Birmingham away. Is Rob under pressure now? Yeah. Previous experience t- tells us exactly. That's three weeks into a project. How do you expect, how do you expect to have to finish article in three weeks? So I'll, I'll put it back to you, Troy. Actually, will he be under pressure? Will will G, you know Gino? You know Gino well, and yeah. his mo his he, is is pretty clear. If he gets the feeling that the manager isn't doing the biz, it's only going to end one way. It doesn't matter if he's been in the building half an hour or for ten and a half seasons, does it? If he gets the feeling that he's not doing the biz, he's a goner, right? Is that yeah. is that a fair? Uh, is is he's just a is a businessman? So and there's a lot of money riding on that business. Would he change that for Rob Edwards, for example, if 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 they've sort of as a pre-season meeting said, right, we need to build an identity, we need to deliver something, we need to build it round something? So they might have agreed on that. Can he, or will he, or would he change, for example? So so say if Watford are fifteenth after by Christmas, so obviously not going up. But there's been some signs of style of play. Development and all yeah. of that, yeah. Would that be enough for Gino? No. Not in the Championship. In the Premiership, possibly. You're not going up, you're not going down, but I'm seeing styles of play with developing young assets who we can then sell on. Yeah, I can under, I can totally understand him going, all right, we'll see it through for a little while. I, in the Championship, he, and rightly so, doesn't believe Watford should be in the Championship. Rightly so as well, based, on, based on the success he's had. Of course, based on the success he's had over that 10-year period as well, you would argue he has every right to feel like that. I, 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 look at, I look at the squad and 
to probably take it away from, from, from Gino, it's like, if Rob is your guy, and we are, what are we, transfer windows been open since the 10th, so we're nearly a month, we're, yeah, five days away from being a month um, of a transfer window open. Who's the significant signing so far? There isn't any yet. Who's, who's the, that's the person we're building around. Who's your captain? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Something as simple as that. Who's your captain? Who's your, can you state who your starting centre-half is? Can you state who your starting goalkeeper is? I mean, my personal take is that they will they will see, and I, th- I guess football club owners do this a little bit because I think if there's a chance not to spend money and if they can convince themselves not to, and they can believe themselves, they're not they're not gonna. And I reckon they'll be they'll be sat around the table thinking, right, Craig Cathcart, Sierra Alta, Trustikon, yeah. Kamara came in, did a good job. That defence will get us up. Clevs, Dan Gosling know their way around the championship. Uh, there's there's loser in there as well with a bit of stardust. And then we've got Pedro as well. I agree with you they'll sit around and think that, but then the counter argument would be Craig, Dan Gosling, Clevly all a year older yeah. Than, yeah. than they were last time they was in the championship. Imran Lowe's has never played a game in the Championship. Samir, is it? Never played a game in the Championship. Seattle hasn't played for a year. What's, what's the difference? What do you think? What's so if you're, lo- if you're a loser or if you're... When Lowe's turns out and tries to play a long ball because he thinks he's got 15 seconds, he gets absolutely smashed and it's not <laughs> a foul. Welcome to the Championship. Because in the Prem, someone nudges you in the back, foul. In an easy area, it's a foul. Watford will get... I've been there as well. This isn't me being a complaining. I've been, I've been at Watford teams when you get... More, more fouls and more penalties than you probably deserve in the championship. But you look at, I look at it now, and I think if you the, these guys with the greatest respect will look at a Luton, look at a Birmingham City, and go, oh, we can just turn up and beat them. But how about when they get smashed? It's not not smashed like five nil, but physically beaten up. Are you still going to have the quality? They're still going to have the heart for it at that point. Could they lose their head? We saw moments where Jao Pedro lost his head in the championship season going up. So you have to be a bit cuter to get up. And by the way, I say this not as a negative. I still think Watford get promoted. I said it before. I think they they finish second. But there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of question marks in and around. Is this team actually good enough? A lot of it is what we think or we hope. It's not actually a case of you have a... Do you have a dominant centre midfielder that's the best in the championship at the moment? You don't know. Do you have a best centre half in the championship? You don't know. I would have liked to see like Watford go and sign like a Dickey from QPR. That would have made me go, okay, well they they're getting a good player right now that's top championship, but also gives them room to develop and go and be that that Premier League player, similar to what Forrest have done, where Forrest have took uh, like a Jed Spence. Someone they knew was good in, the, in that league and they've turned him into a superstar. Actually, while you mentioned Forrest, there's one that's confused everyone. You don't have to, he's an individual player, so you don't have to talk about him. Zinkenagel at Watford. So obviously came in, thought, you know, he looks, he looks decent. It's the same old thing, isn't it? You see him on YouTube, he's got good numbers <laughs> coming, coming in. And then he didn't really find his way at Watford. He's had a half-decent season at, at Forest, but then they haven't picked him up, although I know Olympiakos have, have signed him and he may end up... They've got the same owner as Forrest, so he may end up there after all. But he's one that... Just quickly on him, but he's one that's confused us as, as supporters a little bit. Was he just just not up to it? Not up to the English game? Or, or why, no, why didn't he, he make no, it? He was. 
because you have to remember the time period in which he was there. He was in a midfield that had Will Hughes, Chalabar, Dan Gosling, Tom Cleverley <laughs> in a championship team. Like that's ridiculous. So he he was always trying to. I thought always trying too hard to either get a goal or to get an assist to be like, look, I should play. But we had the opportunity for him to be in this squad this season and we haven't got those level of, of midfielders. You have to remember, though, things happen when people leave. There's a way that people are treated before they leave. He wasn't exactly treated greatly before he left. He's then gone to Forest and done unbelievably well, made himself you know, uh, a career and also made himself attractive to Olympiacos to buy. And I know people at Forest, I know a lot of people there, they, they were really happy with him. But I think they're just going, well, he's top championship. I don't think he's good enough to get us the goals and assists in the Prem will go elsewhere. And that's business. And, and I think Philip understands that as well. But I think, yeah, at Watford, I think that bridge is burned. When you, the way that you leave Watford isn't a handshake and thank you, goodbye. It's see ya next. And it takes a strong person to be able to go, no problem, I understand this business. Not many people come back from loan and stay at Watford, do they? That's interesting. And does word word get out, I guess, Troy, and perhaps if you're in for players and their agent go, or, or the player, or they, I mean, how much do players talk amongst themselves ahead of a prospective move? I mean, there's often Watford get linked to, to people and they don't come through and it's like, oh, why didn't, why didn't we try harder? Why yada, 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 make it sound easy. But is, is, is Watford's reputation perhaps a reason for missing out on players even? No, I think ultimately the reason you always miss out on a player is because you didn't pay enough. That's, it's that simple. You either didn't pay the, the, the transfer fee or you didn't pay the prospective wages that you thought they were going to do. Like what happened with like Husey, we offered him a contract he thought he was worth more. He ended up going and getting what he wanted. That's not a Will does it like Watford or anything like that. It's just business. Yeah. But what in, with negotiations like that, Troy, it's f- absolutely fascinating to me about how how closely you work with your with your agents. Does the agent go in? I mean, I don't know if these days if it's meetings or whether it's emails or whether it's WhatsApps or or whatever. How that or, negotiation all of the happens? Would, would Will have said we, we can't use Will? That's not fair. Would you say you're angling for your next move, do you say to your agent, I want uh, 350 grand a week, I want my car paid and my petrol paid for, like I got at Watford. <laughs> at um, a hotel. Yeah, come, come back to me when you've got that or come back to you when you've got close or do you go with them to, to me or you sat next to them while they're texting or emailing or how no. does that whole negotiation so, side of things work? Because I always think you lot, what, um, you, play, you lot should pay the agents. Watford, what the... the Buying clubs shouldn't have to worry about it. Um, that's my personal yeah, take on it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but you remember the agent acts for clubs as well. Yeah, of course. So yeah. sometimes a, 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 a agent might say, let's say they use my agent for argument's sake, and it's Olympiacos because you just said that. They want a striker with, this is the profile. So a lot of agents get given profiles. So we want a 24-year-old who's six foot one, who used to score him, but we were only want to pay him between 30000 and 50000 a week. Now you've got to dwindle down who fits that profile. Like a filtering process, really, when you're booking a holiday, you want a hotel, you want certain things, don't you? You do that, you do the filter, and it works for that. But for, for me, I've always, I've been lucky because I've always had Watford come to me to start with, which is always putting me in the, 
in the best position to negotiate because I know you need me now because you're not going to come to me if I was doing rubbish. So um, whatever your starting figure was, let's double it and work backwards from there. But it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty basic, is it? And the, the player would tell the agent no, what they want. No, no. It's never simple. The, the, the agent and the player's relationship has to be good because if you think about it, if you represented yourself as a player, would you be able to go to a meeting with a, with a, a club telling you you're not worth this amount of money? We don't think you're that good. You're, you know, it's got to be, there's a bartering process. So I mean, they, they'd be absolutely push. right if they were talking to me, of course. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but your agent your agent has to be able to take the emotion out of it and present back numbers and, and, a, and a feel for the room. Because I've seen it with like with City, for example. City say they want a player. That player says he wants this. They'll just go, no, no, thank you. Next. Remember, they did it with the Alexis Sanchez. Like, there's always a there's always a cut off point for everyone before they move to the next person. And each club will have a list of at least five players. So this is our number one target, and but that number one target is four other people's number one target. So if you don't get it right at some point, they just move on, and the next person's right. And like I say, for me personally, I've been I've been very fortunate. I've been looked after really well by by the, by the Watford family and. You know, I can't. I can't ever complain. But it's always been a case of they've come to me first. I don't think I've ever gone in and asked for a contract in my life. So yeah, I've been fortunate. But you talked about being looked after by the Watford family, Troy. We know when we're going to see you. Hopefully, because it'll mean you're fit, of course, lining up in blue against us Tuesday, the sixteenth of August. I know we exchanged messages. You said you were looking forward to seeing when you're playing Watford. It's happening pretty early. Have you got your celebration sorted? <laughs> Someone asked me that yesterday, would I celebrate? My initial answer was no. And then my other answer was, Watford fans would probably expect me to celebrate, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I'm just looking forward to it. I'd have preferred the first game to be at Watford, if I'm being totally honest. That would have been nice to, to come back earlier in the season and be like, I'm here, I'm back. Kind of get it out of the way, that first return, if that makes sense, in a playing capacity. However, I think it's later on. I think it's about March, I believe. But I do also think I, I got one question for you actually. How do you, how do you think I'll be received at Watford in a playing capacity? I think if as long as you don't skid on your knees when you score the goal, I think you'll be golden. <laughs> Troy can't skid on his knees; okay. he'll do himself an injury. <laughs> You're not wrong. The uh, the knees are what they once were. Personally, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing seeing you back, and uh, you know I've got a I want you to succeed. I think I think when you have players, legacy players who who do well for Watford, you always keep an eye on them. You always want them to go on and have success. You know, talked about John Eustace earlier. I want him to be a big success at Blues because I, I, he did well for my club, and I want I want people who sweated for my team to to go on and enjoy the the fruits of their labour later on. So I think you'll get a. A good good reception. There's bound to be some light-hearted uh, banter. I would have thought you wouldn't have it any other way, would yeah. you? Yeah, definitely got to give some back as well. There's about four people I remember where they sit. They were calling me rubbish, so I can't wait <laughs> to see them as well. John, he's coming <laughs> for you, mate. He's coming for you. <laughs> all in all, I think I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'm quite interested to see how this championship season unfolds because there's so much activity. I think because everyone's kind of going new model new manager new money essentially look at Burnley for example like just 15 players I think it was released and they're in a complete rebuild I, I still put Watford in a, in a semi-rebuild 
Birmingham's in a rebuild. There's a lot of big clubs are in rebuild uh, processes. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that unravels itself, especially while the transfer market's still open. But also, we've got so many games before the World Cup, and then there's that big yeah. gap, and how that will affect mm-hmm. the two halves of the season. Because you know you could see build until the World Cup, then three four weeks off, wherever it is, where yeah. actually loads of clubs are going to have time to solidify, solidify something new, almost like a second pre-season. Um, yeah. And that I think, so we could have like, you know, two halves to a season for sure. I definitely think, I think so. And also if you were like top of the league, you're Watford top of the league, you wouldn't want that break to come, would you? You'd want it to keep going and the break could actually be detrimental to a team. So no, it's going to be a really interesting year and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm very uh, excited. We go to Portugal tomorrow. And I think your boys just went to Austria today. So everyone's in that drilling down stage now, getting to know everything they need to do tactic-wise and then ready to have a good tear-up. Ready to go. Bring it Bring it on. Just to, just to finish off, Troy, last time we spoke, we spoke about your uh, your TV programme and, and, and that project, which is going incredibly well. I know football's back on the on the agenda now, but just a, a, a little update on that. I know it was incredibly well received. It went down in, incredibly well. It was a great piece of work. Um, and again, something that, that we're proud of you for, for doing, raising those important issues. What's, how's that going? What's the, what's the next steps in, in that regard? Absolutely loads going on, but as you could probably see, I don't know if you've been getting any notifications, but yeah, the, uh, things are changing pretty quickly. The, the, yeah, the polit- yeah, the politics is is going a bit all over the place at the moment. So um, we have uh, more more with the campaign coming. There's there's a big um, big paper and a review coming out in September around education, especially they're trying to pass a bill with um, schools that are turning into academies. So we're trying to get some some good work done there. Um, more books. We're writing more books. Uh, children's books. Uh, I think we briefly spoke about that. So we've we've picked up. I think that's going to be um, a really big, powerful one for us. And then, honestly, mate, just just keep going. Just keep trying to spread the good work. I, I don't think it's ever a case of it ever ending. I don't think there is a a topic that this is a topic that is like oh it's all done it's all solved now we've got loads of work to do and as we always speak about education is always is always the key i think to to understanding and and learning about people so yeah it's uh it's good work it's tireless work but i've got a point to prove this year so um i'm making sure i manage my my diary and my load a lot better than i probably did last year all right. Well, I'm sure Birmingham fans will be be pleased to hear that. They want to see you fit. We want to see you fit. Thanks ever so much for all your time, Troy. As always, it's been fascinating to, to talk to you as always. We appreciate it. Um, we'll see you on the 16th, mate. Top man. Thank you both. I, I appreciate it. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Fascinating bits there, Mike. I know he's always been honest. I know he has never held back. But it is a bit different him being that distant from Watford and, and how he can sort of talk about certain things there. And, and I don't know about you, but I suppose it reaffirmed feelings that I've always had about the last few seasons and reaffirmed all the things I really, really hope they've learned and they are really, really working on to change at the club. Yeah, I think what what I enjoyed, he put me he put me straight, didn't he, on the, my view that 
that those players potentially wanted to leave, and that was a, a big issue. I, I, that was interesting to hear, and it and that what in some ways that's really positive because it's because my view is after the cup final, those guys wanted out. They felt they'd done their bit. I'm talking about Gerard Delafeu, Pereira, Decore, those guys. And, and it sounds like that wasn't actually the case. And I think that shows that Watford can be an attractive destination for good players. Obviously, we're going to have to go and rebuild to get back into that, that, that situation again. But that, that was, in, in a way, quite, quite encouraging. Um, but yeah, as you say, John, I think his getting Troy's take on, on what ne- isn't necessarily quite right, it probably chimes with everything that, that, that we think, that, that, don't, that doesn't it? It's, there needs to be a slight sort of culture shift and a, and, a, and a better approach to building something, I think, is, the, is probably the, the overarching thing that you, you take away from that. They need to have a plan and stick to it, whether it's a, a head coach that they're going to be wedded to and stick with him and his ideas and his principles or a style of play that they're going to stick to and, and build it right that, round, round that. And, and of course, we're at the start of, start of the season, well, what is it, two or three weeks away now. And we will wait and see as to, as to whether that's, uh, they are taking the first steps on that, on that road to creating that sort of culture and ethos at, at Watford. We, it, it remains to be seen. It's what we hope for. And it's interesting that Troy is an ex-player and as a current footballer, that's something that, that he's picked up on as something that he, would, um, he wants to be a part of, I guess. Well, I think this will be the story and the, the, the thrust of our conversations uh, for the beginning of what will be the 13th season of From the Rooker End. And, of course, we'll be here every week uh, for you to have a listen and uh, share our views. And we do want to get you guys involved as well. Remember that email address, podcast at fromtherookerend.com. We do enjoy an email rather than a, a limited tweet. Uh, so do get in touch with any thoughts. And we want your thoughts. We don't just want your questions and what you want us to discuss. We want your thoughts and your input. So please do that uh, via the email. Maybe get in touch with uh, how you think Troy should celebrate when he does score against Watford. <laughs> he wasn't sure, was he? Yeah, I, I was thinking body popping afterwards, but I don't think that's within him uh, with, his, <laughs> with his injuries. Um, thank you very much, Michael. Oh, not at all. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And, and thanks again to, to Troy for, for his time. And yeah, thanks for, for, for giving us a little bit of breathing space over, over the summer. We obviously haven't forgotten about, uh, about you. We obviously haven't forgotten about Watford. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're back up and running. Come on, you goals. So keep an eye out for more, a few more podcasts in the next couple of weeks before the season finally kicks off with Watford taking on the championship. Come on, you boys.